Guess what? We've just started our very own Catching Up With Cub community and we want you to be part of it. Head to cub.club forward slash podcast now and join the community. Hello, lads. Welcome to today's show. Catching Up With Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today I catch up with Julie Parmax, CEO of Three Marks of Existence, a boutique interior design firm specializing in high-end residential homes, new developments, hospitality, and hotels. Julie is a master at putting people in the right mindset, whether that be through spatial design or meditation methods. Me and Julie discussed the importance of understanding how to take your clients on an emotional journey and triggering the emotion necessary for them to be satisfied by your product. We discussed being a solution at a specific time of their life. When is that time in their life where bang, they need you and you become a problem solver for them? and how determination can get you your next big opportunity. She's an awesome lady. I had a brilliant conversation. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello. Hello. I read that you knew from the age of 12 that you wanted to be an interior designer. Yeah, definitely from the age of 12. How? Look, after doing some talking with the parents, you know, my mum's side's quite creative. You know, I think her uncle or great uncle was painting frescoes um, in Greek churches. Um, He also made a guitar from scratch (laughs) using timber from the house. I don't even know. And taught himself how to play. And funnily enough, I played when I was six years old as well. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just I think it just comes from, you know, Genetics? Yeah, genetics, lineage, I guess. Um, But my dad also used to buy a lot of – he was in property, Mm -hmm. very Greek. you know. Very Greek, I see. Yeah, yeah, very Greek. So he would buy a lot of properties and, you know, um, have a large portfolio and might need to renovate them to rent them out and he would always ask for my opinion and I'm like, I'll do this colour and this colour. And, yeah, so I think it just kind of started from there. And I also really loved architecture and drawing. So I don't know, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. I also wanted to do architecture, but after speaking to an architect, I remember going for work experience in year 10, he said, it's the worst thing you can do if there's a recession. Stick to interior design. I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't even think about that. Why is that? Because he said people will put more money in renovating what they have rather than building something from something. Yeah, yeah. That's advice, clever. actually. Yeah, it was actually good yeah. advice. Sometimes those old people, they know yeah. some shit, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah, exactly. They've been through a few recessions themselves, you know. They know what, they know exactly, what's going on. Exactly, exactly. But I still love architecture, so yeah. kind of part and parcel when you're designing oh, in, anyway. In good economic times, start doing architecture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My dad's always like, go and do your architecture course. And I'm like, I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I can relate a lot with having a, a dad that is encouraging in terms mm. of business. And, and and so did you always, uh, obviously now um, uh, you have your own design firm, uh, Three Marks of Existence yep. is the name. Yeah. What's the reason behind the name? So I'm quite spiritual. I've always been into metaphysics and meditation and paranormal, you know, that's kind of been something that I've always been fascinated in. And um Three marks of existence is what Buddha taught the monks in order to reach enlightenment. So the three marks, um, the first one is that every one of us has some sort of discomfort in our lives that we go through that we want to change or move away from. But in order to accept that there is discomfort, 
and that impermanence is something that we all go through, we need to change our situation. But in order to do that, we need to remove the ego because people are scared of change. Once you understand those three marks, you can reach enlightenment. So I turned that into my design philosophy for the business where a client comes to us because they want something different in their life, whether it's a commercial property or a residential property. They have to accept that change is inevitable. I need to give them what they want without having the ego present. Same with them. In order to make the change, they have to trust me and remove their ego so we can both move forward. So what are the three marks? So discomfort, impermanence and um, ego. Oh, wow. And what does impermanence mean? Like nothing's permanent. Yeah, nothing's permanent. But you have to understand so many people, you know, they're kind of like the mouse on that kind of wheel, right? They have their routine, their everyday thing. And once you say you need to shift away from that to achieve this, they're like, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, humans so, hate change, yeah. don't they? They hate change hate it. because it's fear-based and fear-based is ego. So you need to remove the ego in I order to it. make the so change. So you brought your yeah. spirituality into the business. Well, yeah, because I have the second business, which I teach meditation. I'll talk about Yeah, later. we will but talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so – did you always know you were going to be a business owner or was that something that just yeah. ha- you did? My dad. He was like, just. Never work for other people. Always work for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that was his thing. What and he's champion. always owned his own businesses. So um, that's always been his thing. It's kind of imprinted. It's amazing the impact having, well, whether it's like a parent or just some sort of mentor. Obviously parents are, are mm. great because you trust them and, and whatnot. But having some sort of mentor you know, make it almost not expected, but like it is like it's an option. Like you should you should do this, mm. and the impact that has on someone's mind. Because well, yeah. starting a business for um, someone who didn't have someone telling them, you know, you should you should work for mm. yourself, is a scary experience. But when you're almost told from a young age that yeah. no, this is what we do, this is what you should do, yeah. it's it, it kind of eliminates that wall of fear and it's kind of yeah. like you just walk into it. That's true. Well, it's positive and negative, right, because some people are told they should be lawyers or doctors and they're like, but I just want to be a mechanic. <laughs> and they're told that that's not good enough. So it's kind of both sides. You know, I – saw what my dad did with his businesses and that got me excited. So I went, oh, I want to do what he does because he's more independent, right? So he doesn't always have to be working on the business or at the business. He's more flexible with his time. And I'm like, well, I want that control and that flexibility. So, yeah. And and tell me tell me about the business itself. What type of uh, interior design do you focus on? So we do um, residential, so medium to high end, um, whether it's a new build or a multi-storey residential or a large renovation. Um, but we also do hospitality. So I started in hotels. Um, so we do hotels, restaurants, bars, clubs. Um, yeah, I love that kind of F&B, food and beverage side because it's you can really push the boundaries of creativity and come up with a concept that either isn't happening at the moment or, you know, the whole Instagrammable, you know, yeah. um, space. It's big these days. Huge. Just Just – Making it appealing for someone to take a photo is is hugely important. Exactly. And that's for me, I love the the challenge of it because you have to aim it to a variety of people, not just a husband and wife, for instance, and a family, which can be like 50% interiors and 50% psychology, I always say. Yeah. (laughs) Because you have to really be patient, understand their needs, and that's where the intuition and spirituality really kicks in because you have to really delve into 
who they are as people and actually extract that without being too invasive. Yeah, but isn't it amazing how a technology that really had nothing to do with the industry, like social media, for example, changed the way you design for that industry because you're now designing with the – uh, with the expectation that customers are now part of the marketing mm-hmm. plan in that they're going to share that they went there and therefore we need to give them something to share. Yeah. We, we can't just give them the food and their drinks like we like we used to and, and good mm-hmm. service. Yeah, you know, it's now we have to give them the visual. Yeah. It actually probably would have made companies like yours more important. Because well, it's like- 100% cause, and marketing companies as well, right? So when we design, we think of every element. So from the coffee cup to the colour of the coffee machine, to the napkins, to the signage, to the material you use on the wall, everything. And then we bring experts in as well to actually execute because we're not experts in every field. I do believe we should get the expert in the field. But when we're creating a concept, we look at all those elements. So the direction is driven from beginning to end because the downfall of some of those spaces, like hospitality spaces, is they do the interior and they stop. They don't actually execute it all the way through to all the, you know, marketing material and, you know, the cutlery and the napkins and they're like, oh, that'll do. It's an Ikea. But I'm always the crazy person who lifts the glass on the plate to make sure. Yeah. One thing I noticed uh, in your prep sheet was that you were saying that you enjoy the emotional experience you take your customers on Mm. while designing. Yeah. But actually – what you were describing just then was the emotional experience you're trying to give to their customers through design. And I just think that's something really interesting that business should think about in that what emotion do you, what do you want people to feel when they touch your brain? You know, at Cub, Mm. you know, I I would say we'd want people to feel welcomed, you know, like a sense of belonging or special. Um, um, And, you you know, in your design work, um, you, you, you're trying to make the customers of your customer feel whatever your customers wants yeah. to portray, whether it's a high-end restaurant, they want to feel special and elegant exactly. and, and classy and timeless or, exactly. you know, whether it's a fast food plate. I, I, I don't know. Well, they're all the elements you have to consider, right? So it's behaviour and space based on concept and the direction of, you know, the com- let's say you're doing a restaurant. Let's say Betty's Burgers, right? Um, I had one for the first time the other day. Oh, really? They're really yeah, good. It's just up, <laughs> just up the road. I saw it. Yeah. Um, for instance, if it's something that's a fast food, then you'll choose the materials based on um, how long you want those patrons to stay in a shop and what's going to drive them through the door. If it's a luxury space and let's say you were going to use carpet, you'd use a thicker underlay to make it more plush. You know, you'd if it's a airport, you'd have more patterns on the carpet to make you move through spaces. So all these things have to be considered, which people don't realise. They just say, oh, I love the feel of this space, but they don't know what goes into it when you're designing the space. Yeah, and, and because as a, like, as a customer sometimes, and I, I've got an in, incredible interior designer that I've used for a long time, and um, sometimes, like, I look at, like when I was just doing my apartment, I looked at the place when it was empty. Mm. Well, I looked at it first of all after they ripped ripped everything out and I was like, fuck, this place looks like a shithole now. I don't know how they're going to make this look good. And then I looked at it once they put all the actual construction design in. Mm. And then I came back when all the, the furniture and things were there and I was like, wow. I had, you know, sometimes the customer just doesn't know yeah. how you do what you do, mm. you know, and, and the process that like mm. – 
and if you're not an expert in something, like I'm not an expert in design, so yeah. I don't know how difficult it is to do what you do and how many years it takes yeah. of experience just to just to understand the different feng shui of mm. a, you know which how the color of the couch how it matches this what, what angle it yeah. you know how do you do what you do what, what is the process? I always say to people you can teach design to a certain point and the rest is intuition. You just feel a space. I can't even explain it sometimes. I walk into a space and automatically I know, oh, well, that might not work because of that and maybe we need to do this. It just, it's an innate feeling sometimes. Yes, there's theory you can learn with colour theory and, you know, what emotion a colour, you know, brings out in someone. But understanding behaviors of people is very, very important. And that goes back to emotions, you know, the senses, the five senses, and how are people going to interact with a particular space? Where do they want to get to when they get into this space? Do they want to lounge? Do they want to go straight to the bar? Um, are they going to have trouble finding the bathrooms? Every one of those things is an energetic um, green light or a block. If you block someone from moving freely in a space to get to their destination, they automatically go, oh, this is too confusing. Frustrating. This is frustrating, right? If it's effortless, that means you got the energetic flow right in the space and that's what brings it to another level. And Is that what uh, – what's that called? Feng shui? Is that what feng shui, feng shui is? Feng shui is a govern set of kind of spiritual rules um, in Chinese culture uh, that they believe in. Now, for me, feng shui, I don't use feng shui because, and nothing wrong with feng shui, everyone's got their own, you know, um, beliefs. But sometimes I feel like, and I've had other clients say this to me, it's a block. Because if you've just purchased a house and they say, oh, it's the wrong number, that means you're not going to be making money. If the driveway's flowing away from the house, that means you're going to be losing money. If your bed is, you know, facing a mirror, but you can't put it in any other way, then that's a block. Well, that's causing internal blocks to this person where I design intuitively. So I'm saying, you know what, we're going to make this work for you, but how do you feel? It's all about how they feel. So instead of creating blocks, I open the energetic spaces. Yeah, and that's really big for me because we really focus on Zen principles and um, Vedic principles of brain, which is ancient Indian. Yeah, what are they? So – that's, it's kind of like feng shui, but it's it's a different format of feng shui. Not as strict. Not as strict, but they have different elements. And, and I always go back to Japanese architecture. When Japanese, you know, the traditional, you know, um, buildings in Japan, they never have hinge doors. They always have sliding doors because opening into a space with a hinge door is actually pushing energy away. But if you slide it open, it's an effortless flow between all spaces. All spaces can be completely open to indoor and outdoor. Yeah. So it's like little that. things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool little principle. Yeah, it's really cool. And so were you always so did you get did you have a career before you started the business to get experience in in the field or Yeah, so I worked so coming from uni, um I knew that I wanted to design hotels, so I just found the best hotel interior design company in Sydney and I just went I want a job with them. So I just got a charter, they called charter, charter some beta back then. Um and I literally just called them up and said I want a job and they said well we don't have anything yet. Call back in, you know, a month or whatever. So I called back um and they had a position going which was um a junior interior designer, but they pretty much said to me I had the job but another um 
girl who had more cat experience got it. Even her background was like seven years in nursing or something like that, but her dad was an architect. That wasn't good enough for me. So I called back and said, what did I do wrong? How can I improve? I just want to work for you. And they said, oh, we've never had someone call back who didn't get a job. Um, and they put me on the books and called me two weeks later and I was, I said, I'll work for free. Um, and I started doing the feasibility study for Emirates, Walgan Valley. Um, I've never been there, but I've heard that's amazing. Yeah, it's stunning. Um, and then they said, we'll back pay you because you did a good job and we'll give you a job. Oh, my so, God. See, that's something kids these days would not do. No. These days they'd be like, give me 120 grand and I, I want to work from Greece. Yes. <laughs> Get the <laughs> fuck nice. out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't do that. I'm like, I'm happy to work for free. I just want the experience. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I worked there um, for a couple of years and then, yeah, I just progressed through. It's just such a different mindset, isn't it? Like mm. the the mindset someone like yourself has is uh, non-entitled but committed to progression and proving mm. yourself, committed um, to being yeah. to, to moving forwards, being better. Whereas these days it's kind of like, no, I just, even without doing anything, I deserve everything. And, yeah. and that's a sick mindset because yeah. because no one has or is going to have mm. everything. And we, even when you have everything, you still don't have everything. You find new things that you haven't got. And, and that's, a, that, that's, that's a mindset that you can already see in the statistics today, their mm. depression rates no, and no. all this fucking, they all got anxiety. You know, what's anxiety? Yeah. It's a new thing they've all got now. Yeah. And, and it's just, I really think it's this sick mindset where it's, uh, gimme, 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 gimme mm. for no reason. Whereas but I don't blame them with the anxiety because going into a working environment thinking you can have it all and you're like, oh. It's no, that's why thought. they have it. Yeah. yeah, but it's not their fault. It's how we've now created this society of, hey, all the, you know, who was I talking to? He was a lawyer and he said um, one of the staff members left because someone offered them $100,000 more. Yeah, that if that's what they ex- expect yeah. and then what happens, we go backwards because everyone's like, I'm not gonna, I can't afford to keep paying these people. And they're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, how am I going to pay for, you know, my avocados? Yeah, <laughs> they, they get fired yeah. is what happens. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're overpaid. But you're right. It's not It's not their fault. No. Because, I mean, you are what you experience in this world. Mm. And if their experiences are watching amazing people on social media yeah. and these amazing lives and, and, and media telling them you deserve everything, no matter what, yeah, yeah, no matter yeah. where you are, you deserve everything. And, and you know, it, it creates a sickness. It's a mm. mental sickness. And and that, that, that people need to be more like you. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> be more like me. Yeah. <laughs> but it's more the parents, right? So um, I think it's out of their control. Well, uh, that's right. You can try, but it's No, it's but hard. I mean like my upbringing, my parents came – and, you know, my dad was a taxi driver. Whereabouts That's, in Greece? Um, um, they're actually from? the backgrounds from the Greeks from Turkey because their generations back is from um, Constantinople. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, they've come here doing whatever they could and just built and built and built. And they, you know, even though they made their money, they were still like, no, you still have to go work for it. I'm it's not that migrant just mentality. Yeah, it's yeah. like I came here with nothing and I need something. Yeah, and that's what our generation sees in mm. the parents and we're like, well, we'll do the same. We'll work just as hard. But as the generations kind of move forward. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and, and social media happens. Every, and so yeah. anyway, you got this. So they turned you down for the job. You called them back and was like, listen yeah. up. I think you made a bad decision. Yeah, How about much. I work for free? They're like, well, we like this. Yeah, yeah. We like this, um, uh, this young woman. She's hungry. You do such a good job. They give you the job. 
And then what happens? And then I worked with them designing hotels. So as a junior, and then I got more responsibility, more responsibility, more responsibility. Um, they had me working um, in reception a little bit to help out, which I was I'm like, I'm wasting my time here. I should be just designing. Um, so then I went and worked um, for other companies like um, Colin's Venue. They're not around now. So a lot of ho- um, companies that were doing high-end residential um, developments as well, like um, penthouse apartments. We did some in Darling Point um, and also the hotels, but not only – in Australia, internationally as well. We worked on the W in Dubai. We um, did some things in India and, yeah, so all over. Yeah. And so what was the point where you decided – what made you then start (laughs) your own business? What what was that point? Soft spot for many interior designers, the ego. (laughs) Tell me. The ego. I found – Your ego or this? No, no. Um, Everyone's got an ego. I'm not going to say I don't have an ego. But it was very – if there was a – commercial client or a residential and they said, look, this is my budget and this is what I want to achieve and the interior designer, the directors would be like, well, they need this $15,000 couch. And I'm like, did you not hear anything they just said? They can't afford it. Well, they're hiring us for our expertise and we're going to tell them that that's what they need. And I had to present that to clients and it didn't resonate with me. I don't like telling people the amount of money they've raised, which who knows how long it took someone to raise this money and how much hard work is not enough. I don't like telling people it's not enough. I like educating them and saying, look, if we put the $15,000 in this couch, which you have to fall in love with, then maybe we can compromise here. And we can still compromise because visually it still looks expensive rather than just saying, no, you have to do better. I didn't like that. And I did find a lot of the time those clients would come to me and have conversations with me rather than going to the heads of the business because at the end of the day they felt more comfortable because I was just an open book, vulnerable, very honest. Um, Empathetic. Yeah, empathetic. And I think even to this day my clients, I can be really straightforward and down the line, but they love it because, look, I even spoke to someone in Cub. um, um, He wanted some advice for – his interior apartment. And and he said, look, this is what I've got. What should I do? And I'm like, oh, definitely not that colour. I would go this colour. Oh, I wouldn't do that because of this. I'll do this. And he goes, you're the f- I've spoken to five and you're the first person that just said, not this, this. Whereas everyone said, oh, yeah, that's nice. Oh, yeah, that's nice. And everything was nice, but no one gave him a direct answer. So he's like, I'm more confused than what I was before. So a lot of my clients appreciate the, the reasoning behind the choices I make and I'm just very like, nope, I wouldn't do that. I would do this because of this. And they just went, oh, great. I'm paying someone for their expertise who actually has confidence in the reasoning behind why they're choosing and designing the way they're designing. And it's almost like they're happy just because you made the choice. Yeah. You know, it's because I, I, don't, I can't make the choice. I'm, I don't know what a design. I, yeah. I need someone to actually make the choice, not just, yeah. you know, and have that confidence to make that choice. But then I make it, not make it sound like, but it's actually their choice. They're choosing, like they're telling me the reason they want it and I'm just telling them that's why I chose it rather than, oh, you can pick every colour under the rainbow or this wall should be over here. I say this wall should be over here because you just told me that you wanted to access the kitchen, you know, a seamless access to the kitchen. That's the only reason I moved it. Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. So it's like their actual choice and decision. I'm just yeah. making them see it. Helping them navigate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so that was what made you start your own business because you didn't like basically 
or you felt that the interior designers weren't doing what their clients wanted. They were doing whatever they wanted and their clients just had to had yeah. to go along with and the not, ride. And look, I'm not saying there's so many amazing designers that I'm friends of with. Of course. But at that age, it just, yeah, it just wasn't resonating. And I'm like, I'm designing. I love designing and I'm going with my gut. And then I'm told, no, nah, I don't like it. Change it. Change it to what? Like I think this is the best <laughs> solution, right? So, yeah, I just – I needed that one-on-one contact with the client rather than uh, I'm just, you know, passing on information from higher up. Um, I I just love that. And what was it like starting on your own then leaving? I would have done it very differently. I just went, that's it, I quit. I'm starting my own business. And then I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) So, yeah, it was hard. It was very, very hard. And my biggest challenge was isolation because I went to working from home after I've just spent all these years surrounded by other like-minded individuals and, you know, working in offices and that was really, really hard and I wasn't expecting it. And back then, interior designers are very closed off. Like if I went, it's not like networking now where you can walk up to an interior designer and say, what's your hourly rate? Like what, oh, I just want to compare. They'll be more open now. Back then, they're like, I'm not telling you. They would not share anything. So I was getting information from where I worked and trying to build on that. But was it right? Was it wrong? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, so it was one of those kind of sussing it out, figuring out the hourly rate, changing your stages in a project. And, yeah, it was very intimidating. And you had no one to bounce ideas off. I couldn't say, hey, I've just done this documentation package. What do you think? Yeah, I'm like, (laughs) Like, I I think also that. A lot of people, when they start a business, they've got a one or two partners. Mm. When you start a business completely yeah. by yourself, like it's just like everyone has to remember, it's just at one point it was just that one person yep. sitting down in a room, normally at home or something, yeah. by themselves, being like, okay, yeah, like what's this? It's am- isn't that amazing how businesses grow? It's just yeah. one person sitting at home with like, okay. I'm, you know, I need to do this and they take mm. one step, little step, little yeah. step and then there's more people and then there's yeah. an office and then there's more clients and there's mm. a bigger office and then there's a brand somehow gets built yeah. where they get known for something and, and then, then COVID hits. Yeah, and, then, yeah, COVID <laughs> hits. <laughs> and you're like, and, back to working from home. Yeah. But, but it's just amazing how all businesses start or if it was just one founder, not, yeah, not yeah. all businesses start just one person sitting yeah. in a room. And, yeah, and that's all you need sometimes. But it was, yeah, that struggle and then just starting connecting with I said B&I, you know, years ago, seven years ago, then CARB, and you don't realise how many people actually want to help you, mm. whereas before it was not like that. I think the world changed, though. The world yeah. became more collaborative. Yeah. Everything became more open. Yeah. Everything became yeah, about sharing and, and, and being There's enough connected. to go around and, and, well. there, and there certainly is. Mm. Um, um, I read this book once, and I can't remember what it's called now. It was about the guy that owns what's that health food shop in the u.s called you know the u.s whole foods whole foods yeah and he has this concept called conscious capitalism Mm. which basically means that uh, so typical typically you look at business and when you strategize uh you related to being in a war. So a lot of the words are right. war words. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, I've heard this too. it's just win or lose. Mm. You know, there's no middle. And what he basically says is, well, no, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, the, the market's big enough for several mm. um, business or for really all the businesses yeah, yeah. at the moment to, to survive and do well. And he talks about this conscious capitalism um, 
concept, which is you know focusing on your market, serving mm. them the best, and there's lots of there's plenty of others and yeah. markets to, 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 to go for. So that was a good book. I, I can't remember his name, but Whole Foods is is, yeah. is the company. And how did COVID impact your business? Because wouldn't a lot of people have sat in their house and been like, man, I am over this place now. I want to change. Or that was huge. It was like, yeah. huge, huge. Like um, it changed. Like I started helping some people who had smaller budgets and stuff just to give them some advice because people were like, I'm going to take on this kitchen project and then two cupboards later and you're like, oh, <laughs> still looking ugly. And also um, the block didn't help. Everyone's like, I can do it for cheap in 10 days. Um, but I got really busy during COVID, really busy. Um yeah, I think we were the busiest we've been in a really long time. Yeah, I've spoken Be- to a few designers about that. Yeah, so everyone wanted something new and and they had the money to spend because they weren't actually, like, the, you know, they have the, the travel money, et cetera. Once they realised they can't go anywhere, they started putting it back into their homes and renovating and all that. But it was, it was just obviously we had to change how we did stuff. A lot of the stuff was on Zoom. People would send me photos and stuff like that. Um, they would measure the house for me and, yeah, we'll do plans. That would have been a disaster. I know, I know. I can imagine myself measuring the place. You'd have it backwards. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. But we could still come up with a concept and general plans and then tweak stuff, you know, later. Um, and the builders kept working, right? So all my chops kept, kept going. Kept going. Yeah. Mine didn't stop. Um, and – um, people, so talking about not hospitality or, or hotels at this yeah, point, yeah. residential. Yeah. When people are designing, what are typically the reasons you think? Like, because I'd imagine there'd be certain life points where yep. where people want to design. For example, when I did my current apartment, um, I had a bit of money at that point. I was single, young. I wanted just a cocked Nightclub. out apartment. <laughs> no, I wanted a fireplace with a mad bar and you know, beautiful <laughs> giant shower, marble. Like, oh, yeah. You know, and, but, but now I'm like, oh, you know, I'm in a relationship. I've got to get a house. I'm working hard. I just want to yeah. not have to leave the house and sure. have like everything in the house, nice pool, gra- mm. grass to relax. And I wouldn't have like right now it's sexy dark tones. You know, mm. I'd have like whites and calming. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, but people must go through stages in life. That, that you, that's when you catch them. You know, and that's like, where the spiritual thing comes in because our environments are a reflection of what's happening internally in our environment and externally environment. So it's a, a direct reflection. So if you've got chaos internally, it's going to reflect in your environment. And if you've got chaos externally is going to reflect in your environment. So, so many people come with that whole discomfort thing that we were talking about, the three marks. Um, They'll say, okay, we're having another child. Um, You know, our kids have grown up, but they're still living at home. Um, We want more space, you know, um, for entertaining. Um, Or they're downsizing. That's a big thing as well. You know, everyone's moved out. You know, we need something smaller, but we want it big enough so it's not a shock to the system when you go from a big space you know, to a smaller space. So they're the biggest milestones. So, yeah, e- either a couple having a child, you know, um, people moving out of the house. But another big thing is also bringing an elderly family member into the house. So, the, the, you know, my dad's getting old. We have to take care of him. We need to create space. Um, but one of the biggest is open plan living. They'll buy an older house and, and it's – Knock all the yeah, walls out and make yeah. it. And they want room. that alfresco indoor outdoor feel. I love that. That's yeah. my favorite feel. Yeah, I love it too. And that's why 
we have a, ideas that they might not think of, like carrying, you know, the timber floors through to the deck and making sure they match so it just looks like one massive living space. I even tend to put timber um, planks and slats on the ceiling and carry that out so it actually elongates the space, you know, pocket sliding doors so they disappear, you know, awning windows from the kitchen so you can dine outside. Yeah, there's so many things and that's a big one and actually making spaces bigger, like a bigger bathroom I want to walk in. So more... It's actually going to that more luxury space. Well, I want the walk-in wardrobe and the ensuite that I see on TV. <laughs> yeah, well, that, it's part of what we're saying. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, people want the best. Yep. Yeah, what was usually reserved for very few, it's kind of everybody wants it Everyone now. Everyone wants it on a budget. On a budget, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, even the rich ones want it on the budget. Yeah, so that's just a commonality to everyone. <laughs> yeah, well, without a doubt. And they'll check everything. I know, I yeah. know. Well, they're normally business people, so they know they know to check everything. Yeah, hey, wait yeah. a second, what's this going yeah. on? And and what the, what do you think made that change though? Because you're right, the older houses have smaller rooms and there's more rooms, mm. and then now it's just kind of like bang. You walk in the house, it's one giant room, and you can almost see out the backyard uh, yeah. uh, when you walk in to some extent. I think it's also that kind of balance, life balance. I think people are realizing now that. It can't only be just work, 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 which it was back in the day, right? So now it's all about I want that calming, peaceful, tranquil space that's going to not make me feel claustrophobic and, you know, locked in a room all day. Um, and they want that kind of indoor, outdoor, that that more casual lifestyle. I think that's huge and entertaining. We love entertaining. Look how many cooking shows are on TV. You know, we just love the entertainment aspect of owning a home. I, I agree. And I think in Australia too, because we don't have that huge go out culture where people no. are out every night like Europe where you go yeah. to restaurants. Small and, kitchen. Yeah, yeah we, we, we we go to each other's homes. Yeah. Look at my yeah. melee oven. Get, I just bought yeah. it. Like that's their biggest thing, you know. <laughs> that's very like Australian culture. Yeah, and, and yeah. I, the barbecues. I, I, and yeah. The, yeah. It's, I, 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 I kind of agree with the more open space and that, that inside and outside. That's, yeah. that's what um, – like that's literally what I want right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And it, I guess that would be part of your – because you take well, – sorry, the point I wanted to get to in asking that was that every business, you're serving someone at a certain point. Yeah. There's a certain thing they're going through. There's a certain touch point it's in their different. lives yeah. that, that, they, that you become a need. Yeah. And every business like listening can sit there and think, okay, what is the point in my customer's journey in life or business, whatever it is, of which – I become relevant. Sure. And at that point, how do I make sure I'm there to see them? How do mm. I communicate that point? And 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 I think because I've had a, a, a few conversations with people in the design space, and that's often something I find most evident in the design space. It's like we either just bought a new house, we just got, or we just had a kid. <laughs> yep. We're downsizing. It's these really key life moments and experiences. Um, that or we've create just someone to money. change. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, we've saved all this money. We want to live well. We're mm. sick of, you know, just. Yeah, but that, you'd argue that's, oh, we're <clears> 40 <throat> now. We've done, we've done, we've saved, been responsible yeah. in our 30s. And you know, now <clears> we can <throat> afford to have something a bit nicer. Like, even that's a specific yeah. point. Yeah. And even the, the, you know, the kids moving out of the house. Finally, we don't have to pay school fees anymore. We want to put it towards a new kitchen that we've always wanted or a new bathroom or whatever it is. That's a huge one, huge mm. one. They're like, okay, we want to go a bit special. Like that, we always get that a bit special. <laughs> I'm like, what's your real budget? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's that whole 
It's my, my time now. Yeah, but I've, there's these specific yeah. milestones. Yeah, that's 100% that, 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 all the time. You know, you, you want to – you want to serve your customers yeah, out and yeah. every business has yeah, them. Yeah. And, and in terms of the meditation stuff, mm. obviously uh, you've got a big focus on energy and flow mm. in the yeah. space and I assume that's what that, that that's what mm. triggers your interest in meditation as well. Or, yeah. Well, or, I've got a second business which is my meditation business. Um, so I study with Deepak Chopra in the States. <clears throat> What's that? So Deepak Chopra is a doctor who actually. So who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Um, you would have seen him on Oprah and stuff. He's got like fifty books out or something. Um, and yeah, he taught me Vedic meditation, a type of Vedic meditation called primordial sound meditation, and that's working with a particular mantra um, that you repeat rather than just meditating in like complete silence and just breathing. You've got a mantra that actually – you can get your own specific mantra actually that's based on the date, time and location of your birth and that actually helps deepen your meditation practice because you hear so many people going, I can't meditate. I think that's yeah. what you're meant to do. You're that's not going to stop thinking. I can't meditate. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the – that's the problem. I people, sit there, like, that's when I get anxious because I'm like, oh, what am I doing? I wouldn't, oh, get you that feeling? Like, <laughs> yes, I know. It's feeling. like an angry feeling. It was what when I first did it too and there was silence and I was like, is my phone not working? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but you can't stop the thinking. If you stop the thinking, you're dead. You know, that's not what meditation is. The meditation is it's the gap between your thoughts. There's always a gap between every thought you have. Meditation helps you expand that gap to reach more silence in your life. So you're not going to be an expert when you start it. You just have to keep practising at it. And it's changed my life completely. I think everyone In should what be way, though? How were you before meditation? Well, my heart rate was so elevated all the time and it dropped literally meditating two weeks, made it drop 10 beats resting, like completely. It reduces inflammation. It reduces stress. It um, helps you with your intuition to tap into your intuition. You're more in sync with everything around you. You know, sometimes you think um, – oh, I really want to find this particular house and all of a sudden it's in front of you and you're like. That always happens to me. Yeah, so that happens tenfold when you have meditate. Yeah, because yeah, you're in sync with me. everything. Yeah. You know when you ask for something from the world and it gives it to you? Yeah, yeah. I think that must be a real thing. Well, that happens all the time when you meditate. The more you meditate, the more it happens. Really? Yeah, because yeah, you know why? It's kind of, I say to the team all the time, this might not be true whatsoever, but I say to the team all the time, and in the terms I'm talking about it, it is true, but in meditation, I'm not sure. Yeah. Whatever you focus on yep. is what works the best, is what, what will happen the best. Yeah. And if you focus on something, um, uh, it may be in meditation, you're sitting there, you're thinking, oh, I really it's want It's an intention. This. Yeah, it's you're, like you're, an you're looking yeah. for the yeah, ways yeah, yeah. to get it. You're looking yeah. for the opportunities and therefore they might present themselves. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing too. But with meditation, it's like because we're all one energetically – we're all made from the same cloth, so to speak. Um, when you meditate more, you become more tu in tune with the energies around you because we're always focused on just getting from A to B, right, doing what we need to just to get to the other side, sleep, repeat. Whereas with meditation, it lets you tune into all the energies around you that are connected. We're all connected. And it's just like an effortless download of information that you receive. Like I've meditated and I've got answers to things. I'm like, oh, wow. Why couldn't I think of that before? I just download. It's just effortless. I can't even explain it in a way that people can believe me. It's so magical in a sense. You just have to practice it and you'll just see your life will completely change. Things will happen. Life will completely change. Have you ever heard of Reiki? I do Reiki. 
I'm a yeah, I'm a Reiki master. Yeah, because my girlfriend's mum likes it, but I thought it sounded like a whack job thing. I, I didn't know what it sounded like. We just touch touch someone and somehow something happens. What is Reiki? So Reiki is there was. I can't remember his name now, but there was a his Japanese name was probably monk. Richard Rake. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Yusuzi, I think yeah. it was. And he was a monk in Japan and he meditated in a cave for 21 days and downloaded all this information um, do, um, with symbols. So each symbol is like an energetic vault of energy, right? So the more progressed you are in Reiki, like a Reiki master teacher, there's like four symbols. The fourth symbol is the strongest symbol. And it's like you're healing with energy, but you're not using your own energy. You're becoming a conduit of energy using these symbols. And trust me, it works because I found out I had an issue that I needed an operation for just from Reiki. Really? Yeah. No one else could pinpoint it. And so what makes someone good at Reiki? It's not being good at Reiki. Um, you just have to practice and actually get uh, attuned to Reiki by a master teacher and actually practice. And so you years. do that? Yeah, I do. Um, do Reiki as well with, with clients, like um, with the meditate. Or you teach it? To the I meditation? teach meditation. I um, I'm about to get my Reiki master teacher, so I can teach people. Reiki. I do house cleansing with Reiki as well. I do sound healing in Bondi Junction. Um, but see, you know what I like about you? You just, it's all, you, your life is aligned. It's all about energy, making people feel good, live good, the right mindset, the right yeah. space for that mindset, how to you know manage your mindset. Yeah. It's all things. Meditate, you can too. <laughs> yeah, med- yeah no. I'm not joking. Like as soon as you meditate and everyone, like people have taken my classes, you know, Chris Melotti has taken my classes, you know. Um, if you sit there and actually practice it, honestly, things just happen and you're just more focused, you're calm. You know, you have a situation with a client that might be a bit aggressive or whatever and it, you just let it bounce off you. It's it's very different. I know when I don't meditate, I'm either grumpy or I'm bumping into things or nothing's flowing easily. There's always problems. I'm losing things. Meditation, if I'm meditating consistently, I'm fine. It fixes it all. Mm. And what about study for either design or um, or for mindfulness or meditation, whatever you know, what you're describing? Are there any books that you would recommend people read? Yeah, Um Gosh, Deepak Chopra for sure. Um, so how do I spell that though? A D double That's a person, not a knit. Yeah, that's Deepak. a person. Yeah, D double E P A K Chopra C H O P R A. Sounds like a martial arts like <laughs> yeah, arts, black belt. But if you look him up, you'll probably be like, yeah, I've seen him before. Okay. Um, his, so his got, books. Yeah, his books are amazing. Um, the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success is one of his. I live by that. Um, do you know what they are? Not all of them off the top of yeah. my head, I won't lie. But it's a good um, – it, it's, it's amazing it. stepping stone into, you know, that um, area of spirituality. Um, but it's it, – it actually makes sense for everyday life. It's not like a, you know, woohoo. You know, some people think meditation. They think – when they come to my class, they're like, oh, you're normal. I'm like, well, what did you think I'm going to be? Oh, dreadlocks, barefoot, <laughs> you know, hippie. Um, but then there's also, you know, the power of now even from Eckhart Tolle. You know, that's amazing. But – some of those can be quite hard to read. Like I even admit when I picked it up in 2004, I just read a paragraph and went, what? Because <laughs> it talks about subconscious consciousness, you know, um, higher states of consciousness. And you're like, what the hell what is he, yeah. he smoking? But as you progress and learn, that will be an easy read. Um, 
but I do suggest people just pick it up and just have a see if they can understand it and you know work through it because it's it, it's a life changing book and so is he really. Um, but then if it's like a business kind of book, um, Daring Greatly, Brene Brown. That's that really, gets recommended all yeah. the time. And, you know, I always get sent that book mm. by members. I reckon I've been sent it three times. Yeah. I don't know why. It must They must think I'm lacking something from it. But but No, it's a great book. But apparently, yeah, I've got to read I still haven't read it. But another amazing <laughs> book, which is one of my faves, The Surrender Experiment. What's that about? Surrendering to what things hit you in life that you're not expecting because we want to control them but we always can't. And how do we deal with them personally without it affecting our mental health and stress? What was that? Surrender what? The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. Yeah, that sounds like a very That's relevant book. That's amazing Especially book. for business. I mean, well, he's a businessman. It's about his life. He's, yeah. He bought the first computer that ever came out and he taught himself how to use it, you know, DOS or whatever. Um, <laughs> and he started a massive health company in the States. And then one day the FBI knocked on his door and said, you're under arrest. And he had no idea what was going on. But someone behind, like in the company, was actually stealing money. And he was about to go to prison. And he all he could do was surrender because no matter what he said, they wouldn't believe him. So he said, it's all just going to work out. It's a fascinating book. Yeah. Well, it's just so relevant yeah. too because, the, the, I mean, the longer you live, <clears throat> the more you learn that the world's not fair in the sense that just bad shit happens. Yeah. You know, like, and, and you can't stop it. Yeah. You have to use it. You know, it has to be used as because an energy. Because it's for a reason. As, yeah, there's, got, there's a reason there's for a everything. Reason. I believe that. That's as spiritual as I'll get. Yeah, well, that's true. There's a reason for everything that comes to you, either to test you or to see how you're going to react, to see what outcome, you know, where it's going to take you, positive or negative, and how you react. If you react in a negative way consistently, it's just going to keep going back. That's lots of karma, right? So, yeah, yeah. I, I believe in karma. yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, we do have to wrap up. Thank you so much. Thank you. I thought maybe do you want to finish with some sort of design elements or tips or elements of, you know, something that, you know, when I go home I can look at my house and be like, hmm, (laughs) what's up here? Yes, I've got quite a few. But um, Throw them at me. Bring natural elements into your space. Really focus on those five senses, you know, the visual, the, the sound, like have, you know, a fountain, trickling water, you know, whatever Zen music you might have in the background. Make your space a tranquil space. You want to escape to the space. You don't want to come to your space and go, oh, you know, I have to clean this, I have to do that. Even if you start with one room, I always say start with one room. You don't have to tackle the whole space. Bring in, you know, um, more natural materials like wool, sisal, you know, um, Concrete, natural stone, plants, you know. Um, plants make a massive difference. Huge difference. I did that not too long ago and it literally transformed my space. Huge. And it just made it feel a little bit happier. Yeah. And touch, you know, soft textures, woven materials, you know, you want something comfortable underfoot. You know, it's very important when you get out of bed, you just don't hit cold floors, you know. So there's a the lot little of, experiences. The little just, it, and st- I think starting with one room is a good. Start with one room. I always say start with one corner of a room. Create like a little altar for yourself, the, the things that you love the most. You know, you love a photo of your family. You love this little piece you picked up from a market. To, the first thing you look at should be that and you're like, oh, okay, I can continue. And then that that's a domino effect. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Um, and to our amazing listeners, if you want to find out more about Julie Palmer, 
Palmer. Palmax. Palmax. Um, sorry, I thought it was a silent X. <laughs> French, no. <laughs> if you want to find more about Julie Palmax, you can go to cup.club forward slash podcast and you'll find it all there. She gave tons of amazing book recommendations as well, which will all be up there. If you want to catch up with Cub on social media, it's at Club United Business on Instagram. It's equally as awesome. Julie, thank you so much again. Thank you're, you you're awesome. For having me. I absolutely love chatting to you. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed the show.